Hello, everybody. Memorial Day. Hope you're enjoying your holiday. Hope you're going to have a nice, relaxing one. Uh, respect and love to all of those who have fought, laid down their lives for their country. And um, we have a uh, an episode here today for you guys. If you're around the barbecue and you need something to listen to today, hopefully we could be the show that you do it for. There is some movie news, man, and TV news and whatnot. Um, I did not see Succession finale because I have not watched Succession. I know. Get on it, kid. What are you worried about? What are you What are you thinking about? I'll get into it eventually. I'm too busy rewatching the John Wick movies at the, at the moment, um, as well as other things. Back to the Future was another interesting movie that I just found. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. So there are some stories though that are going on. Um, John Bernthal, you know, there was announced that he's returning as the Punisher. Well, it seems as if with the new rumor coming out, if you believe it that The Punisher is going to get his own series on Disney+. Plus, So we'll go into that. The box office for Little Mermaid is in, as well as Guardians continuing to make some noise. And uh, and Fast and Furious passes, passes past $500 million at the box office. There's a few other stories that are out there about Mark Hamill. Was asking if he's out there promoting The Machine, and, he, and he, um, he's always asked about Star Wars. And he was asked about Luke Skywalker, a young Luke Skywalker series. Will it happen? Could it happen? His thoughts on that. Speaking of Star Wars, you got um, Tamora Morrison, looks like, rumor again, set to return as Captain Rex in the Ahsoka series. So there's quite a few stories, that and more, on today's episode of The Big Thing. We'll talk about that, get into it, um, and I think it's going to be a pretty fun conversation overall. And I hope that you guys have had a wonderful, wonderful week. I want to thank everybody, especially the brand new people who are here and that have found the channel and finding the show. And I'm hoping you're enjoying it. And if you haven't, do me a favor and hit the, hit that button, man. Subscribe just a little. Maybe you're watching this on Spotify. Continue to, to follow us there, Apple Podcast, all of that. We're going to be in New York, June 23rd. We hope you get tickets. People always asking those East Coast people, when are you coming? Well, we're coming. June 23rd, get your tickets now. Hopefully you can join me, myself, Mark Ellis, um, the uh, the guys from Double Toasted, Martin and Corey, Brett Sheridan, Jen Sturger, Kate Mulligan, all on the show. So I hope that you join us. All right, but that's what not what we're talking about at the moment. What we're talking about is all these news stories and more on the big thing. Thanks for joining us. Let's do it. I'm me and you're you. Great. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining me here today. I do. I hope you're having a wonderful day, wonderful week. We're going to have a good week here. Made a good week last week. I had Robert Meyer Burnett on the show. Um, Jody Sweden was on last week. Uh, and, you know, obviously myself and Frank Janish came in to join Steph and myself on the episode. And I don't know. It was It was fun. We had a good time. And, of course, Capes and Cowls on Friday, and Roxy was with myself and Robert. It was it was a really good week. We had some good stuff. And this week is going to be pretty great, too. I didn't do – I should do this more because when I did it last week, I, I love hearing the responses to whether people go, that's great, excited for that one, didn't know that was coming up, or don't do that. And um, last week I just kind of laid out everything that was going on in the channel. And this week – we have a few more things that are pretty uh, pretty fun and exciting, right? We got tomorrow night, 
I'm going to see Across the Spider-Verse, hearing really good things about that movie. So I'll have my out-of-the-theater reaction. And I think the next day is the the embargo drop in the review, so I'll review that. And those two things will be on the channel. Obviously, the big thing today, which you're watching, Wednesday, we will have an episode with myself and Steph. Most likely, Mike. Mike's been working a lot. That's why he hasn't been on the on, at Universal. He hasn't had the chance to um, to be on the show as much, but... If he's available, we'll have him on. I just don't know. Right now, it's Steph and myself. Thursday will be me, Brett, Roxy, and special guest Chris Carr making her debut. I've never met Chris before. Always um, kind of missed her on, on John's show, and John obviously um, made me aware of Chris Carr, and, and I missed her in Vegas. And um, I, I had met her, her husband, who was a really nice guy, and then I was like, I need to... Uh, Need to meet Chris finally. So Taylor is a friend, and and I and I said, hey, I'd really like to get in touch with Chris if possible, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna do a show. I want to see I want to see how it all works out. I know, I mean, obviously, fan of hers, and I think her and John have great chemistry over there. And I wanted to get uh, Chris and see uh, how how uh, how uh, how she's doing, how she's doing, and and to get to meet kind of on air, which would be fun for you guys, I think, as well too. Friday is going to be Capes and Cowls, the preview to Across the Spider-Verse, and then we'll do a Monday spoiler review next week on that. So that will be fun. Uh, and then Transformers, I'm going to see that. I'll have an out of the theater next week on Saturday, I think it is. So there's a lot of stuff, exciting stuff coming up, and obviously the New York trip. So it's it's busy here, guys. And again, so many new people that I've found, and we're, we're approaching. Like we're, my, my goal was to hit 80,000 by the end of May be short for about a, by by just about a thousand i think which is not bad it's not bad i have these i have these goals for myself that i think everybody needs to have goals and you know and if you don't hit your goals you're allowed to be a little upset or or disappointed i should say not upset disappointed and i'm still you know we we still we start are growing at a good spot considering again that we really didn't start uploading a lot of material on this channel in september of 2021 in Less than two years' time. I mean, when I took over, the, the channel used to be like a, a SEN Clips or Schmodown Clipouts channel, and I think it was like six or 7,000. I can't remember what it, what it was when I took it over. Um, but to be able to build with all your support, obviously this is you guys are, are really responsible for all of it because you, you, you cared, you stuck around, you're continuing to help the show grow. Um, so we're always pushing, always trying to get some more in. And, and as I mentioned on my live streams, if you've joined on the Christian Harloff and Friends channel, um, I have, I've, I'm going to have a pretty exciting announcement soon for sure. And I think everybody's going to be really, um, pumped about it, but I just can't say anything just yet. But when I do, I, I, this is one of those ones that I feel you guys are, oh, that's pretty awesome. I'm excited to see where that goes is all I'll say. Um, okay. Let's get into some of these news, man. These new stories, some good ones. All right. Here's the first one. The little mermaid. Disney's live-action adaptation of the 1989 animated classic The Little Mermaid is doing well so far with the film set to rack up $95.5 million for the three-day and $117.5 for the four-day Memorial Day holiday weekend domestically. Overseas, where there is no holiday, the film is tracking over at $68.3 million, which will bring the film's total to $163 by the end of Sunday. The film bombed on release in China with just $2.5 million for the weekend. Again, this is in Dark Horizons. The Rob Marshall directed feature so far appears to be well received by U.S. audiences with a cinema score at 95 
Um, Tomatoes notably higher than the 67% for critics. However, the film has reportedly been targeted by review bombers across several film ratings websites. Big surprise. Which sites like IMDb and outside witnessing an unusual distribution of scores and voting activity to the point that they issued advisories. Um, And then outside of Mermaid this week saw Fast X go past the 500 million mark globally and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 surpassed 730 million worldwide. It's pretty good. Fast X will come in with two excuse me, 22.9 million for the three-day weekend, down 66 from its debut, around 28.5. Guardians is tracking for 24.3. Super Mario Brothers will come in fourth with 6.2. That's pretty spectacular, I'll tell you that. The Machine will be fifth with 5.8, and About My Father will be sixth with 5.3. In limited release, the Juliet Louis Dreyfus-led and, and Nicole Halfassner-directed You Hurt My Feelings is set for 1.7. Um, on the high end of expectations, probably very limited. Obviously released, so that is good. And then... Obviously, for me, with uh, both Bert and Sebastian as people that I know and people I kind of came up with in the in the comedy scene, I'm um, obviously rooting for them, and hopefully their movies catch on as well. So the reviews weren't that good, but that doesn't mean anything when it comes. I'm, I have it's it's so funny considering the journey that I've been on in this space, right? Where Mark Ellis and I have always talked about for years that by us talking about movies and giving our thoughts on movies that you're automatically ranked into being like a a movie critic, right? Which I guess in definition, when you're talking about things you like and you don't like that you get the, the, the the label of critic. And I, I always kind of thought that the difference of people who just talk about movies, you know, and, and give their thoughts on movies and don't really go into the analytical out of the, the de- I always use William Bibiani as a example. I th- as an example, I think that he is the pure definition of a movie critic. And when you read his stuff, you know why. It's like the the thought, the press. Like I, I never pretend that I'm sitting going, okay. You know, when I make my point about this movie, I want to make sure I hit this. And oh yeah, what what did that really do? And this and that, and and, and the cinematography will reminded me of this other movie to do it. And you, and he's so detailed and he writes it all down. And I'm, I, sh- you guys know at this point, if you've been following me, I might say that stuff, but it's, if it comes to my mind in the moment, because I, I've always wanted to approach it. Like if you and I went to the movies together and we saw a, a movie afterwards that we went outside and we're, we, we, we threw our popcorn things out and our soda out. And we went outside and we started talking about the movie and whatever came to our brain inside of the conversation. That's the way I've always liked to present my stuff. Of course, I have thoughts that are formulated after I see it that I, I'm like, oh, I'll make sure that I mention that because I want to talk about that. But it's, and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination besmirching anybody as far as a critic that does it. That's just, that's why they're so good at what they do. Like Alonso Duralde and Christy Lemire are always people that I think of. And that ain't me, right? But I do realize the more and more as I read critical scores and watch stuff now, I am so not in that uh, circle. I love those people, by the way. And every time I go to the movies and to the screenings and see Alonzo, I go up to talk to Alonzo and and, um, and Christy. Like they usually sit near each other. I, I, they're some of my favorite people in the world. I love them. I'm just not. I'm just not a movie critic, guys. I'm just not. Here you are. You critique them. I'm not. I give my thoughts the same way. If you think you're a movie critic, then I guess then maybe we all are, right? Um, but anyway, my point is, I'm just like a lot of the movies recently that critics are on the other side about i am like i don't know what the hell they were watching and if that's the like, 
67% for this movie, what that means in Rotten Tomatoes, for people who don't know how Rotten Tomatoes works, right? Is that a movie, if it's like, I think it's three out of five is the score. So, and I, and I always reiterate this, some people know it, some people don't. But it's like, if you see a score, if, if there's like a 90, if there's like a 98% of a movie, right? And let's say that 40 critics saw it. Let's say 40 critics saw it. And all 40 of them thought it was just a little better. All 40 of them thought it was just a little better than a three. All 40. But they thought it was okay. But not rotten, but they thought it was okay. But all 40 of them would have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So you would see it and go, oh, my, my God, this movie's phenomenal. It's the best. This is the best movie ever. And all 40 of those critics gave it, gave it a fresh review. It's 100%. This is amazing. So it's, it's a little flawed in that, in that aspect, right? So in the same argument, if everyone was like, I don't know, it's, it's fine. It's, it, it's not good enough for me. It's like just such an average movie. I can't get it to fresh, but I don't know, two point, as Mark and I would do, 2.8. It's just almost there. And 40 of those critics did the same thing. 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. This must be the worst movie ever. It's not what people are saying. It's just the way that the mathematically the way it lines up. But I just find it hard to believe. 67% thought it was under a three? Now, I understand that the, the the people that were out there going to see it. Now, to be fair, I thought it was going to be under three when I went and saw it. I didn't think it was going to be very good. I thought she looked good. I thought the movie looked terrible. I wound up liking the movie a lot. I thought it added a lot to it, and I thought she was f- fantastic. But even for those people who just thought maybe it was a little bit of a – it was not everything they wanted it to be. It was one of the better ones. To go underneath a three, yeah, I just don't understand the scoring system – I mean, I understand that. I just don't. I guess I just don't agree with the scoring system of Rotten Tomatoes because it's just not a, it's just not an accurate representation of stuff. Um, like yeah, like I think even like Fast and Furious. I think Fast and Furious, Fast X has something like fifty or forty-five, or whatever the hell it was. I mean, I could see giving that under a three, but I thought it was a lot of fun as far as a film goes. As far as having fun, I had fun with the damn thing. I really had fun with that one. Um, but still. Let me look at the overall box office on, on everybody and what they stand at right now again. All right, so Fast X is over 500, about 512 right now. I It's so funny. I said it was up to a good start. And someone's like, go off to a good start? What are you talking about? It's not off to a good start. It's underperforming. I made $512 million. Just because it doesn't, I, this weird thing now, of if a movie doesn't make a billion dollars, it's a failure. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Would every studio like to make a billion dollars? Of course. Is it because the other movies, you know, Fast, uh, I don't think Fast, did Fast? I don't think that Fast 9, or whatever the hell it was called, made a billion. But I know the previous two did. Well, it was was a decline. So it means that Francis is in a decline. It still made $512 and it's not over. The run's not over. And summer movie season has really kind of begun. It's not like a massive, the biggest one ever, but it's not a failure it's not disappointing. They made $512 million. There was, there was reason that they wanted to to do another one, which, by the way, brings me to something I wanted to talk about that's a bummer. Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, is one of the best movies I've seen so far, especially Blockbuster uh, this year. Um, and I still think Air is one of, my, one of my favorites. But I think that was, it was – I was not expecting it. I didn't think it looked good. I thought it looked very cheesy. I've seen it twice, and I love it. I love it, and I'm so bummed it didn't do very well. And I think probably because of that reasoning, I it, like if I didn't have a screening for it, I probably would have waited to see it on um, 
whatever the hell I watched it on. What did I watch it on? Paramount Plus? Whatever. Is that, what, is that right? I think so. Who knows? Anyway, I would have waited. And I think that's what a lot of people did. And I would have been bummed about it because it's a good movie to watch in the theater. I really enjoy that movie. But the reports are that because it didn't do well enough that it might not get a sequel. And that sucks because that's one of those movies. Now, granted, Dr- Dungeons and Dragons isn't necessarily a uh, fresh, brand new IP, but it is an IP that's never been really successful, including, I guess, this one now, too, which sucks because it, it, when you have all these Marvel movies and then DC's coming in with this run and Star Wars is coming back in, 20, in 2025, and it's like those are the th- always like the three big games in town, and you'll get Avatar that pops in there, and then you'll get a movie like Top Gun or, or, or another movie that, that pops in there that hits and runs and goes and that's it. But it's always like the DC, Star Wars, and Marvel that are there to stay. And it's like, I wish there were a few more to give us more variety. And you're like, okay, maybe Dungeons and Dragons can start that, but nobody went to see it. Which, I shouldn't say nobody, but, it, but not enough to, to warrant a sequel, which sucks. But I don't know. What do you guys think about all this? What do you think about the box office? Um, as far as Little Mermaid goes right now, Little Mermaid has made, opening weekend, 185 did terrible in China, um, 2 million or something like that. So it's not going to do very well there overall. So it'll probably crap out at like three, $400 without, 300 $400, $300, $400 million without the, without the China box office for sure. Domestic, 117, international about 70. So I think it'll do a little bit better Next week, I don't really have anything until Transformers comes out. Right? No, 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 Spider-Man. Spider-Man first, and that's next week, right? So once Spider-Man starts coming, that'll start chipping off of The Little Mermaid for sure. Different audiences, but still, st- still, still people are going to be choosing to go to see that one. Um, Transformers, I, I, everybody says the new one's pretty good, and I think that one's going to eat it from the tracking and everything that's been going around, which sucks. Um, if it's good, obviously, then it'll suck. And then, um, and then Indy. Oh, Flash, excuse me, Flash and then Indy. So the big month in June. And then we have Secret, uh, Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion or Secret? Yeah, Secret Invasion. I always get them wrong. It's too many secrets. Secret Invasion comes out. That series comes out in June. And then uh, August for Star Wars is Ahsoka. And speaking of Ahsoka, man, let's talk about this Tamar Morrison thing. So this one's from comicbookmovie.com. Ahsoka will reportedly see the book of Boba Fett, Tamar Morrison, playing a live-action Captain Rex. Tamar Morrison played a live-action clone trooper in Obi-Wan Kenobi, but if a new rumor is to be believed, the actor will play perhaps the most famous member of that army in this August Ahsoka Rex. Cody has something to say about that, but I do think that Rex is probably the most famous. Tamar Morrison recently shared his disappointment over the fact that Lucasfilm didn't bring him back for The Mandalorian Season 3 and seemed disgruntled about Din's prominent role in The Book of Boba Fett. Despite those remarks, it appears that the actor has returned to a galaxy far, far away to shoot a supporting role in this August Ahsoka. According to One Take News, Morrison will play Captain Rex in the Disney Plus series. It's unclear whether this soldier will appear in flashback or during the present day, but fans have hoped to see Rex in live action. While the actor portrayed clone troopers both in the prequel trilogy and in The Mandalorian and Obi-Wan Kenobi, this role will ask a lot more of him. It is voiced by Dee Bradley Baker in The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Rex has his own storied history and is one of Ahsoka Tano's closest friends and allies. So, 
Um, yeah, there's a lot here. First thing I want to mention is the other, I think it was on, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago on Capes and Cows. Winston and I were talking about fantastic forecasting, and I was talking about the thing and how, um, and, and who or who thing would, would, would play, who, who he would be uh, voiced by. And I meant to say D. Bradley Baker, and I said Steve Blum. I got them confused, and I was very aware that there's D. Bradley Baker who, um, who voices all of Bad Batch and so many different characters. And, but I had the vision of, of Zeb in my head because he's such a massive hulking figure like, uh, like Thing. So I automatically put Steve Blum in there, who, of course, voices um, Zeb. So this is uh, something that I just wanted to I keep meaning to bring it up. But this, this particular story with Rex coming back, it, it makes all the sense in the world that Rex would be back. It makes all the sense in the world that Tamar Morrison would playing him if they're going to do it. So I, I think this is 100% true. I really do. I was say 99% true because you never want to go 100%. But I would say it's pretty damn true. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't you? And I think that for, I mean, I would, I, I always, and, and, and I know that people always go with the, well, good for them. They're going to speak out. They should speak out about it. Not if you, not if you want to keep working. It, like you look at some of these wrestlers, right, that have been with the WWF or WWE, whatever, for a long time, and then they know they're coming back, and they open up the vaults, and they say everything they want to say, and they finally get it out after years and years and years because they know there's no repercussions, and they're not going to go back to the company. They're not going to wrestle anymore. They're not going to do anything. And maybe they come back and do a couple, you know, call a couple matches or make some appearances, but if they don't, who gives a shit? They can do whatever they want to do. Um, if you're still looking to get a gig with them, you got to be careful. Now, I'm not telling you whether you're right or wrong. I happen to agree with a lot of the stuff that he says. You just got to be careful because if you're too vocal on it, they go, well, I don't, we don't work with this guy anymore. The hell with him. We don't need to put Rex in there. And I say it more for his well-being on it, not, not the fact that you shouldn't speak up. You absolutely should. But, you know, it, it, was it necessary to, to speak up at the time that he did? If he feels like he did, and maybe, look, the, the, the counter to that is maybe he spoke up and they go, listen, we know that you're upset about it because there are rumors that, Favreau himself didn't want to put Din in Boba Fett. So maybe maybe he had that conversation. Like, I get it. You're, you're upset about it. I am too. But chill for a second because we're going to get you in Ahsoka. We're going to put you in Ahsoka. But just try. I get it. And it's okay. I understand you're, you're pissed off and you get a couple of interviews. I get it. But let me just tell you what, what our plans for you. Which is also, maybe that was one of the things that opened it up. So I, you don't really ever know. You don't ever really know. And sometimes people go, yeah, go ahead. I, I know you're going on that thing. You're going on that thing. You want to open up a little bit. You want to let it go ahead. You're fine. Or the publicist is like, oh, no, don't, don't do that. It, you just never know. You never know. But I just think that I like him a lot, Tamar Morrison. So I'm like, I want to see him be around because he can be. He can be around for a while. So it's one of those things. Because I know, you know, Disney's always, whether it's keeping secrets on their movies or making sure that the, the correct brand representation and all that stuff. So you just wanna, you want to you want see the good guys kind of win there with, uh, with, with Tamora. So you're like, uh, anyway, I hope he comes back. I'd like to see him come back. And I think this makes sense. But speaking of uh, Star Wars and continuing on, Mark Hamill is out promoting The Machine, the new Burke Kreischer and he, movie, and he plays Burt's dad. I have not seen it yet. People are asking me trying to get Bert on. Bert tells a freaking story about me every goddamn podcast that he does. 
and he's doing everybody's podcast. Tell Bert, get his ass on this show. Come on, Bert, show a little. Just announced. After Luke Skywalker's memorable appearance in The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, the hope among fans is that Mark Hamill would reprise his role in a spinoff. The actor, however, is not so sure. Again, comic book movie. It's no secret that Mark Hamill was unhappy with director Ryan Johnson's take on Luke Skywalker back in 2017's Last Jedi. The actor has since managed to find a measure of redemption on Disney+, Plus thanks to Favreau and Filoni. Reprising his role as a younger Luke in The Mandalorian Season 2, we got to see just how powerful the Jedi had become since defeating Vader and the Emperor. Later, the Book of Boba Fett had him meet Ahsoka Tano and briefly train Grogu before the child chose to return to Din. Groundbreaking new de-aging technology and AI-created voice helped create the younger Luke, though Hamill was on set to perform all his scenes alongside body double Graham Hamilton. Hamill says, When I read the last Jedi script, I said, Okay, well, that's it for me. And you start that process of disengaging from something that's been part of your life. He said he was very impressed with The Mandalorian, and he said it's very unusual to see yourself like that because it can't be cheap. Then they asked him about closing the door on a spinoff series starring Hamill's younger self. Hamill went on to say, Oh, now you people keep saying you're going to be able to do a whole series of Luke post Return of the Jedi. And he said, I don't think so. First of all, they don't need to tell those stories. I don't agree with that. But if they do, they could get an age appropriate actor. It sounds like Hamill is happy to pass the baton to a younger actor to play Luke and his interest in filling in the gaps between Jedi and The Force Awakens now appears minimal. That's understandable. But surely we'll see the hero return in Dave Filoni's crossover movie, which is expected to adapt elements from Heir to the Empire. Um, Okay, so there's a lot there. We talked about this kind of in depth where there was another rumor. And again, this is no, by no means a, a, a um, confirmed rumor. This is just a rumor the same way that we don't know if Favreau was unhappy with the choice to reunite Din and Grogu, and that was a Kathleen Kennedy call. We, it's just a rumor. We don't know if it's true or not, but it was by a few different sources, but that's apparently what led to them being upset. We don't know if it's true. The other thing we don't know is this particular this um, supposed mandate that Kathleen Kennedy put down that there's no more Luke Skywalker in these things, no more Luke Skywalker in the series. We're not doing that anymore. We're not doing de aging. We're not doing any of that. We're not we're not bringing him back anymore. That was it. Done. Gimmicks over. Again, don't know if that's true. I certainly hope it's not because, as they mentioned in this article, for Heir to the Empire, it seems kind of necessary especially if you're going to do an adaptation of Heir to the Empire. He's a massive, massive part of it. Now, there's a different conversation to be had if you wanted to recast him. And everyone always mentions Sebastian Stan and other people too. I just think that they've kind of opened this door with um, with the de-aging because had had it just been the Mandalorian season two, I'd be like, just recast because that you're not going to build a full movie like that. With with it looks it, it it was fun, but it looks it doesn't look good. And then they do this thing in Book of Boba Fett, which is to me some of the best deep fake stuff I've ever seen outside of you know Shamuk's YouTube channel. But by the way, apparently he left the company, so that might and I don't know if that's true, but that's what I heard from somewhere that he left Lucasfilm. And if that's the case, then maybe they're not doing any more of this stuff because I don't know. Maybe they don't. I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's all very interesting because it also then it kind of continues on. That people asked him, there's rumors that he and Hayden Christensen are going to show up in the new Ray movie, which would make sense and would be something that people were waiting for. Like the 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 lack of the what they could have done in those. It's a whole other can of worms, but 
everyone thought that Hayden could show up in that one. Hayden will show up one way or another in Ahsoka. Now, whether it's flashbacks in scenes, now there is footage, and I think this is recently from the new from the Obi Wan behind. Someone sent it to me recently in the the scenes that they did with um, with Hayden and, and Ewan for the Obi Wan series and the flashback scenes. They had the dots on their faces, so they were gonna they were gonna do some de aging on them, and they didn't do it. And it would take it nothing to do because they're not that old. It would be like taking like you know, it's one thing when you're taking what forty years off of Mark Hamill's face and reshaping it and doing all you're, you're moving what fifteen years off of Hayden's face, maybe. I know maybe twenty, but but fifteen, but really fifteen. He's I mean, the guy looks phenomenal for for his age, you know. So you could have you could have done that like that, and I don't know why they did that. I mean, it was so clear that they were like, a, "These guys are in their forties. What the hell? This isn't back then." I didn't because what a lot of people didn't mind because they just liked seeing Hayden back, and I think they were counting on that. But I, it it bothered me because it just looked because they had just done this stuff with with Mark Hamill. So I'm like, why didn't you just just a little bit? Um, so one that. If they do it in Ahsoka, are they going to de-age him, or are they not even going to do that, and they're going to go straight up Force Ghost, and she's going to be talking to him through Force Ghost. A lot to talk about. Um, all right, there's a lot more for us to talk about, guys. we got a lot more. But before we do, I wanted to tell you both about Mint Mobile and Rumple Blankets. After years of print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So I heard about Mint Mobile a long time ago, and when they said they offer the premium wireless starting, it's like 15 bucks a month. I said, yeah, all right, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it makes sense. There is no catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores, and they pass those sweet savings directly on to you. Quality is amazing. Um, it, it, it doesn't break up. It doesn't, it's, it, I set it up for a separate line. And I'm so glad I did. It's so easy. So easy. And for anyone who just hates their phone bill in general, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivering on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, Go to mintmobile.com slash thing. Mintmobile.com slash thing. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash thing. Rumple, 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 rumple. I love rumple. I love rumple. I really do. I love rumple. I've been telling you guys about rumple, and you know I love rumple because I talk about them all the damn time. It's on them. They're, they're amazing. They're so good. And it's such a great blanket for a lot of different reasons. Like, I don't need a blanket to go camping. They don't get one for camping. Get one for being on the couch and snuggling up. They do, every, they do everything. And what's so great about them is that they're made with durable, sustainable materials, and they're built to last. Rumpel recycles over 5 million plastic water bottles a year. They're B Corps certified, climate neutral, and they donate 1% of all their sales to environmental causes. The original puffy blanket for them is their number one bestseller, and they have over a million of them sold. But they have over 135 unique designs. There really is a blanket for everyone. They're not just for outdoors, as I mentioned. You can watch a movie with them. You can kick back in bed. Or you can even bring them to the movie theater with you. Rumpel also has a huge selection of indoor styles, like their cozy hemp, their fleece, their Sherpa blankets, made with responsibility-sourced materials, super cozy, and perfect to keep on hand in your living room or refresh your bedding. 
So listeners of mine, go to rumple.com slash the big thing and use that code the big thing at checkout. Get 10% off your first order. Rumple.com slash the big thing, code the big thing. The link is in the description. All right. Once again, thank you to Mint Mobile and to Rumble Blankets. I got a a, um, an, a, a message the other day, a, a comment on YouTube. It was very kind. Someone said, "Hey, listen, I love what you're doing. Please don't change up the the content. We really like it. You can tell that the audience is liking it. And I don't know, is there anything that I can do to support the channel more to help you out?" And I, oh, this, is, this is the first thing I say: clicking that like button. Subscribing to the channel, commenting—that always—that's that's the that's the thing you can do every time, and and obviously it doesn't cost you anything to do it, right? And people are like, oh, I want to do something else. What can I do? I always give you an option. Like that's why if the first thing you ever see is joining the website. We have website tiers, which essentially serves as our Patreon now, and we have different tiers over there of different things you can do, and you can sign up, you can support that way. Well, I can't do that. I can't do it monthly, but I do want to do something. What can I do? Well, I always I always recommend the sponsors always because there's always something we have made it very very clear we will not sign up with sponsors unless we feel it's something that the audience would respond to and it's stuff that i also love it's why i've talked about rumple it's why i've talked about Mint mobile it's why i've talked about all these different things that i've that i've done and um so if you're like oh i want to support how do i support the sponsors man go to the sponsors find one that you want find one that you're interested in and check it out and let me know when you do you get yourself a blanket tell me switch your plan over tell me I want to know because I'm going to send it to them, and then that helps us get more. It gives me an opportunity. People are like, oh, I want you to have so-and-so on your show more. I want you to have this person on your show more. Get those damn sponsors so I get, so we get an opportunity to build this sucker out. It's coming. It's coming along, and you guys are with me. But get something that you feel you're going to be interested in. Don't just do it to, to help me. I'd appreciate it, but don't do, just do it to help me. Do it because you want to get you know something out of it as well. You should. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. I want to talk about this thing. Um, it was funny. It was last year. I think it was like around August or something, something like that. Rosario Dawson was at a um, con or something, and she kind of slipped that he was coming back. And it's, it went under the radar. Nobody really talked about it that much. I know we talked about it on this show, but I mean, not, we didn't break it. We just talked about it. And, um, and then it turned out to be true. John Bernthal is reprising his role. Again, comic book movie here. He's reprising his role of Frank Castle in Daredevil Born Again, and a new rumor points to a brand new Punisher series entering development at some point. After months of rumors and speculation, we recently got confirmation that John Bernthal will reprise the role as Frank Castle for Daredevil. And a new report is now claiming that the solo Disney Plus series featuring the ultra-violent vigilante is in development. Bernthal already had his own Punisher Netflix show for two seasons. One would assume the new project would be considerably less dark and violent, but Born Again is expected to take the intensity up a few notches in its own right. Bernthal has stated on several occasions that he'd have no interest in returning as a watered-down take on Castle. We're still not sure how the Punisher will factor into Born Again, but previous reports have indicated that he won't have a huge role, so this might be the groundwork for the series. We'll have to take this as a rumor, but my time to shine hello has a pretty solid track record, he says. After Daredevil, Punisher is going to get his own show. In related news, Deborah Ann Wolf has confirmed she's not coming back as Karen Page. Um, 
Okay. Well, let's talk about, and I, I really like Deborah Ann Wolf a lot. It's a bummer. She's not coming back, but it's a different world. It's a different universe. variants and blah, blah, blah. I'm exhausted talking about it. Um, Frank Castle coming back. John Berthold coming back. You don't get John Berthold coming back as a Punisher for a small role in Daredevil. You just don't. So I do believe this is true. Um, I, I absolutely, I think it's part of the deal. How do we get John Berthold back? We give him a show. And why wouldn't you give John Berthold a show? The guy's fantastic. He's one of the best actors out there. And, he's, and he just really, really knows this role. Do you know that I haven't watched the Netflix Punisher series? Which is crazy, because I really like Burnthal. I don't know what happened for the reason why. I don't know why I didn't watch it. Remember, I was, because I liked, I'd watched, I, did I watch, I think I watched at least two seasons of Daredevil, and like both of them. Did I watch the third? I don't remember. I don't remember. But either way, I loved him in it. I guess I, if, if he's in the third one, then I guess I did see it. Because I, I definitely have seen him as the Punisher. I just didn't see him in his own series. And I think I should watch it. Because I really like John Bernthal like, a lot. And I think he's a great actor. I think he's a fantastic um, Punisher. And this makes a lot of sense. Now, I think that the hesitation from fans to say, well, it's Disney. So how brutal are they really going to get with the Punisher is a fair concern to have. And I think that... Deadpool is going to be an indicator of what they're willing to do and where they're willing to go. But, you know, it's going to be because I think that there there is that you're going to have to push that code in there for the, you know, the adult content in order to get it. At least I would hope you can't make the Punisher and make it watered down. You just can't. It's just not what the you, you lose so much of the character. And I think that if John Bernthal has never really been anybody that's gone back on his word i i think that he probably had that meeting and said look i want to play this character i like this character but i have no interest in coming back if we're not going to really go balls to the wall with this guy i think that they're going to try to do it i think that the marvel cinematic universe needs a, a, a bit of steroids right now i think and i think the punisher is a bit of steroids now it's not going to be for everybody but it's one of the it's like the the john wick of the uh, of the the franchise it needs the MCU needs some balls right now, and I think that that might be that might be the way to go. Now, remember this: I don't think Daredevil comes out until what twenty? Is it is it twenty twenty four? I think it is twenty twenty four, and it's like twenty two episodes or something crazy. So you're not going to see the Punisher until twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six at best. So they got time, they got time, and they don't have to connect it to the multiverse. They can make it afterwards. They can do all that stuff too. Uh, as much as I love multiverses in the reality, in reality, but in um, in in the, the the science possibilities of it, and I'm fascinated by it, and I think about it maybe an unhealthy amount. Um, I think Marvel needs to be done with it. I think it's made things too sloppy, too weird. Stakes have gone down for well, anybody you know, Tony Stark will probably come back, and Chris Evans will come back, and everybody will come back, and you're like, oh, okay, well, everybody's alive everywhere, anywhere. It's it it diminishes it. So I think they've got a they got a nip in the bud. Plus the fact they have all this stuff. They don't know what the hell they're doing with Kang and the the multiverse saga and all that stuff. So they got to get to that point. They've already set it up. Get there. Be done with it. Focus on the X Men. Focus on Fantastic Four. Focus on um, on the Punisher and and all that. And uh, and and go back to your 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 basics. The ones that really made the 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 comics. I remember when I was younger, man, Punisher was my jam. I loved the Punisher. Loved the Punisher. So 
very curious to see where they go with this. I think it's true, though, but I'm very curious what you guys think. Do you think that Bernthal's coming back? Do you Well, obviously he's coming back as, as Daredevil, but do you think he's going to come back as a full, for a full season, full series? If so, will they revisit his um, origin again to do it in a you know, more MCU, Disney-fied way? What do you think? Do you think it will be watered down? Do you think that Bernthal is going to be able to tell him, hey, man, let's, let's get edgy here? Do you think that they need that kick? I'm very curious to hear what you guys think, so please put your comments down below. Um, all right, let's do another one here. All right, let's stick with Marvel. I was watching this thing that they did for Iron Man's uh, anniversary, the 15th anniversary, which is insane. And it's really great. It's between... Favreau and Kevin Feige, and they're just talking about the evolution of what happened, how it happened, where they were, how it was a make or break thing. They told a great Ryan Coogler story. It was, it was a great, it's a great interview, and you can watch it in, in this link from Dark Horizon. Any, any, anyone who's covering this story, you'll be able to find it pretty quick. It's just this sit-down with Favreau and um, Feige. It's great. But one of the things that they had mentioned inside of it was – I, I think a lot of these sites, I'm not going to just pin this on Dark Horizons, are they're saying that he was almost Dr. Doom. And they're not the only person that's saying this. A lot of people are saying this. And they don't say that in this article. What they say was that he had just gone in to read for Dr. Doom or something. And Kevin Feige is like, oh, yeah, that's right. It, I don't think he was anywhere near being cast. I think that he went in to read for it. And I think he went in to read for, he, he just went in to read for Fantastic Four. And it was it was when he was basically trying to make his comeback and, and how he was, um, at that point, you know, cleaning himself up and getting back. Like at, so when I, I actually met Robert Downey Jr. a handful of times when I was working at Silver because his wife was my boss, um, Susan Downey. And she was, at the time, Susan Levine, she was um, the kind of the head of development over at Silver. And Robert would come in all the time. We were, and that's. I posted some picture on my Instagram that I found randomly. We went to his 40th birthday party, which was the, which was, and he was, the coolest. But that was the time Kiss Kiss Bang Bang had just come out. He worked over there at Silver, and he had been doing these things, and he was making his way, kind of back. And so I remember him talking about these roles that he was kind of going in for and getting back in it. And people forget, man, what he needed to do, to get the. It wasn't like he's oh he's Robert Downey Jr. Everybody knew who he was, and he. These movies didn't want to take a shot on them. Like Paramount at the time, they didn't want to take the shot because there's too much to risk with the insurance. Now, when you look back at it in retrospect, you say, well, the joke's on them. You know, because look, look what happened. Thank God the Favreau and Feige made that happen. Yeah, but you forget. A lot of people don't realize this. Like he, he was on Ally McBeal for a bit where they gave him a shot. And, and he'll tell you this, too, inside of any interviews, too. He was in a place where he blew it. And he would he wouldn't come to set. He was his addiction was taken over, and, he was, and he, so if you're Paramount, you you you've seen it happen three or four times. Why why would you not feel that it wouldn't happen again? It's really it is to their credit, Favreau and Feige going. No, this is a different dude now. He's dead, and, and again, he does give this credit to as as he should, and and I I saw it firsthand. His wife, he gives. It gives all the credit to of how she's got him focused, got him going, and, and helped him in in his life and turned it all around, and um, and that's exactly what happened there. And so it doesn't surprise me that he went in for Doom and he had these things and he was going into these other roles. It's it's great for us that he didn't get Doom and they decided not to cast him in that and they decided not to give him that role because it allowed 
Favreau to have those conversations, bring him in, and then and here we go. That's speaking of the multiverse. This is the kind of shit that I always think of. It's like there's a there's a place where he was cast in Fantastic Four, and it didn't really change the movie. It didn't make that movie a, a massive hit because of the way that they would kind of, as they say in that interview, garner the success of what the box office was for movies like that. Um, and then who gets cast in Iron Man, and does it work? And does it help? I just been watching this whole thing. I just watched Back to the Future recently like two nights ago with my daughter and um and i was watching it and, um, and you always think about the eric stoltz of it all right and i went back and I listened to some interviews and i listened to some stuff and it's like there's like there's a world where eric stoltz they they, they filmed the majority of that movie I was listening to an interview with thomas wilson and he was talking about how they filmed like the majority of the film it was like it was, they got to a place where he was like they, they were talking about oh, what are you working on next and that's how far along it was and then they they had the the the, the it was between Gale and 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 Zemeckis and then no, 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 we this isn't right we got to cast this guy we got to get Michael J Fox and the same type of thing they didn't cast obviously with Iron Man like Downey was the guy but they had to fight for it and, and so it's it's always interesting and it is funny that again nothing against Dark Horizons most places were were saying he was almost cast he read for it. He went in an audition for it. In in they, they don't say like in the Feige doesn't say, oh yeah, he was like, he was one of the top choices. Feige even like forgot that he went in to read for it. It seemed like, but either way, would have been interesting. Uh, I'm still telling you, I'm crossing my fingers that there's a. I I wanted to be. There's one of these moments when Roxy and I talked about it on the Batman casting for the new movie, The Batman. And we had we were asking on Collider Live, we were asking about who we thought could be a good Batman. And there were kind of rumors and people that I was like, I, you know, I think this I think Robert Pattinson can do it. And Roxy was like Robert Pattinson for sure. And we got crap from a lot of people. A lot of people. And fans and 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 even Winston. Winston came in at that time and was like, we there was a whole conversation. It was a very respectful, fun conversation, but it was a, it was a conversation and he didn't agree. And I told him he got, because people are judging off of that movie, right? They're judging off of um, Twilight when they should be judging off of Rover, Good Times, all of that. Um, so I remember getting, um, after the Batman came out, people going, yeah, you know what? That's one of those ones. I remember when you guys were talking about it. And and I didn't think I'd, uh, I didn't think it would happen, but but look, it, it worked out. And there's been tons where I've been completely wrong about a particular casting. It didn't happen, or it just it didn't work out. But I do think I want it to be one of these things where Henry Cavill is cast as Doctor Doom. Now I I, I cannot and I, and I, in a very as respectful as I can, it drives me crazy when people are like the two things that drove me nuts were like, well, no, he should play. Uh, Reed, or he should play one of the good guys. He just played a good guy for a while. And that's why the same thing when people are like, Adam Driver shouldn't play Reed Richards. He should play Dr. Doom. He just played a bad guy. He just played a bad guy. Why do you want to see him play a bad guy again? It's like he just did that. It's like when he was just Kylo Ren. He's like iconic. It's like, oh, no, no, because he, they go automatically because it's a typecasting thing that people automatically do. No, he'd be a great bad guy. He just did that. Same thing with, with Henry Cavill was just the, the ultimate good guy forever. Make him the ultimate bad guy. And he says he's going to do any, and he's going to be pissed. Let him use that freaking anger that he's probably got right now with all the stuff that happened to him with Superman and put him as doom. 
telling you, the guy would be perfect as Doom. He's he's imposing. He he can he can get that 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 fire out out of him, and uh, I think he'd be perfect. Just and and I think he'd be just such a great, as I always mention, um, Red Sox to the uh, to the Yankees moment. That would be amazing. Anyway, um, had nothing to do with with Downey as Doctor Doom, but just curious what you guys think overall. Do you think that that would have been a better choice? I don't think anybody in the world would say yes. I'd rather oh, you know what they should. He was a Terrible Iron Man. I've never seen that. Never seen anybody say that. I don't like his portrayal of Iron Man. Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, before we move on, I do want to hear your thoughts on this. I'm going to tell you both about Green Chef and our friends over at Athletic Greens. You guys know how much I love Athletic Greens and Green Chef. I've been really obsessed with them lately. Let me tell you why. Green Chef, baby. Green Chef is awesome. It makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Doesn't matter what your lifestyle is, man. You're just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. You can fill up with Protein Packed. It's their newest collection of recipes fit for a high-protein dietary preference. You can choose from three weekly menu items, including at least 40 grams of protein per serving. You can choose from 50-plus weekly menu and market items with the option to mix and match meals from different dietary preferences in the same box. If you're craving more servings from a favorite recipe, you can double the portions in your weekly order just one click. It is the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Green Chef has options for every single lifestyle. It does not matter. It's great. It's uh, it's 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 so good, and I love Green Chef because I've been getting – and you can turn di- different meals. I've been making like this stir-fried for a bit since we started with Green Chef, and I, uh, it's, it's – I look I, – I, Lick my chops. Every time it's coming around, I know, oh, I can make that stir fry. Green Chef, you're reducing your food waste by up to 23% versus grocery shopping. Welcome the spring season with delicious, easy-to-follow recipes that support your healthy lifestyle and it tastes good too. Fact. Try balanced, crave-worthy meals fit for all dietary needs. Bring more flavor to your table this May with Green Chef's wholesome, elevated recipes. I take the chicken. Put it in a stir fry. I love all the different. I mean, it's so good. Their chicken is no joke. You know what I love about Green Chef also is it gives you the ability to choose. You want all chicken? Get all chicken. You want all beef? Get all beef. Go to greenchef.com slash thing60, but use that code thing60 and get 60% off plus free shipping. Again, greenchef.com slash thing60. Use that code thing60. Get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, man, the number one meal kit for eating well. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens every day, and you know it's true. I've been telling you guys about it for, God, it's coming up on two years now, man, or a year and a half. I give AG1 a try because Brett kept telling me about it. He's like, this is really good. You got to try it, and I did, and I love it. And I was like, it's green, but it's delicious. It really is delicious. You'd be surprised. That's what I get from everybody. He's like, you're right. It tastes really good. And you can get better gut health and get increased energy, immune system support, all of it. And I'm not a vitamins guy. I didn't like taking a whole bunch of vitamins. Now I just take AG1. I put it in the water bottle. I shake it up. Done. And it just makes me feel ready to go. I'm approaching that day. I'm taking it. And I'm ready to live. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's part of my routine. It's delivered to me every month. It's been very easy. You make it a daily habit. With AG1, you take care of your body, and it's just that simple. So if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash big thing. Athleticgreens.com slash big thing. Check it out. 
tell me that you've checked it. I, that's the one. I see it all the time. Finally starting AG1 today. Finally starting it. Finally starting it. Love it, love it, love it. Tell me and tag me and tag them and tell them that you found them from us. Link in the description. Thank you to Athletic Greens and to Green Chef. I told you before, this is what I like to do. Find the peeps that you guys are going to like. And as I said, please tell me when you try them. Please tell me what you like. Please tell me if you're making a, a dish from Green Chef, tell me because I'll mention you. I'll tell you. I'll tell them people. like There's people like I, I had a guy who said, like, hey, started taking HG1 because you wouldn't shut up about it. You would you keep talking about athletic greens all the damn time. You wouldn't shut up about it. So I tried it and I love it. And I've gotten that a lot. You wouldn't shut up about it because they're stuck around for a while. And that's the thing. As I told you, they stick around when you guys get them and you like them. I have not seen a lot of, well, I tried it and it sucks. I've tried this and I don't like it. I haven't seen that a lot for the stuff that we have. And that's, that's across the board because we're trying to make decisions here on things that we think that you guys are going to like. All right, let's do a couple more and we'll get the hell out of here. Now let's talk about this one. Last of Us. Third season is not guaranteed. Dark Horizons, while the first season of HBO Last of Us adapted the main story of the first game, the show's producers have made it clear that it's going to take more than one season to adapt The Last of Us Part 2. Both showrunners have also indicated there are no plans to overstay their welcome and don't expect things to go beyond a potential third season. HBO has been considering the show's future, and the network's head of drama, Francesca Orsi, recently spoke with Den Light and confirmed that whilst there is an idea for a third season in place, she adds there's no guarantee it's going to happen. I think Craig and Neil are still trying to figure out when they're going to come to an end. We've loosely heard that there will be a season three idea for the series, but at this point we're taking it one season at a time. There's no guarantee at this point that we'll have a season three, but I know that they have a vision for season three. Whether that lends itself to doing more, I don't know yet. So let me tell you something. First of all, I think that this is, uh, of course they'll do it. If, if season two is popular, they'll find a way to make it work, and it, it'll it'll happen, and season three will happen, and they'll, they'll build out to it. But this is the kind of interview that I'm always talking about with um, with Lucasfilm. This is, a great, this is a great answer. This is a great answer. She was asked this question. She said, look, we, we, we got to figure it out. We, there's no way. She probably has more information that she's – willing to say, but she's not giving you a whole bunch of, oh, she said there's going to be a third for sure. She said this is going to happen. She said, and if it doesn't happen, then it's a disappointment. She's like, there's no plans for it yet, or there's, or there's no, we, we don't know yet. It, it's possible. they got to talk about it. We know the two is happening. They have ideas. They have an outline of where they want to go, but, but we don't know yet. They, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. Great answer. Great answer. Like, that's the, those are the, not, uh, we're going to stick, we're going to, three years, three years, every three years, we're going to make a special event like Bond. Forget about the three years we used to do. Three years. Oh, no, no, no. That never. That was never true. Don't do that. Do this. Yeah, yeah look, they're, they're, they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out when it's going to come to an end. And we know that they have an idea for three. And when they get there, we'll figure it out. And, you know, ideally, we'll, we'll know when the time is right. So she also added this that the second season is going to take a big swing from both an entertainment standpoint related to the clickers, but also the more nuanced, complex character dynamic between Joel, Ellie, and beyond. Pedro Pascal recently revealed to The Hollywood Reporter that taking on the role of Joel, he said, I was scared. I was so scared due to an expectation to be met as far as what people's immersive experience of the story was. 
The comments come as it was revealed that the filming on the second season, which shifts the production from Calgary to Vancouver, is now looking to start in early 2024 ahead of a 2025 airing, which may also make sense. This is one of their big shows. So they're going to they're going to try to figure out a way to get it out as soon as they can, but not rushing and hurting the quality. So this is why HBO has been the game changer when it comes to a lot of different shows. Also, why I need to get into succession. I, I, I know. I was feeling embarrassed. When I, was, I, watched, I watched two episodes or three. I can't even remember. I'll probably have to start the whole damn thing again because I don't remember it from so long ago. But anyway, um, yeah, of course they're going to do a season three if season two is popular. But I don't think they're going to go past that. If they have an idea already for where they're going to go, they're not just going to let's finish it too. They're going to go. They're going to go past it. And they're going to finish it up at three and, and see. But I think they're going to, because people who've played the game know that there's some big shit that happens in that second game. And I had never played the game, but I know. And I think some people will probably, probably know that like there's some big shit that happens in that game. And they've got to see the, how that, the the audience is going to respond to certain things and how the maneuvering the storytelling is going to work and does it transform from the game element to the actual um you know the live action version of it the same way it did so masterfully in the first season we'll see sometimes you catch lightning in the bottle you can't catch lightning in the bottle you know so very curious what do you guys think you think they're going to do the third season or you think they're done after two i think they're going to push into three what do you think let me know uh, last one here. Let's do this. Andy Muschietti, who is directing The Flash, tracking only at $70 million. Again, a bummer. A bummer. And I think that people... I don't know if it's just exhaustion from comic book movies or whether it's a Ezra Miller situation, whether it's just a DC situation because they don't know where it's going. It's just tracking at 70 and That movie should be tracking at 150 It's a really good movie. And one of the reasons is Andy Muschietti, um, if not the main reason. He is. We talked about him being in line to helm Batman, the Brave and the Bold. So then he was asked this question, and it's it's interesting. So Mark Cassidy, I like Mark. I haven't talked to Mark in a while. Mark's a good guy. I like Mark. DC Studios uh, co CEO James Gunn has previously made it clear that the upcoming DCU Batman reboot, The Brave and the Bold, is only in the very early planning stages. But it doesn't mean he hasn't spoken to a few filmmakers about potentially taking the helm of the project. Could Andy Muschietti be one of them. Well, during a recent interview, Muschietti was asked about the possibility of taking his own Batman in a brave and bold direction, and he gave the following response. He said, I can't speak to that yet. I mean, that's a big, that's a big one word. That's big one word. Muschietti is a big Bat fan, so perhaps he has pitched a few ideas to Gunn and Peter Saffron in the hopes of landing the gig, or maybe they've possessed to the point where he's already being lined up to direct. This is pure speculation. Well, this is actually in an actual, listen, listen, let me see if we can hear the actual video. Hold on. Hold on. I want to ask you, you know, you inherited two Batman here, too. You've got Tim Burton's Batman, you've got Zack Snyder's Batman. And uh, I'm curious, you know, if you were to take your own Batman in a brave and bold direction, what would you want to put on, what kind of spin would you want to put on that character? Oh, that's, uh, I don't think I can talk to that yet. <laughs> yet. I can't talk to that yet. So, and the interviewer pulled his interviews stick away too fast yet yet more there buddy and you had a chance to to get a chance to get some more out of him um no i'm just kidding anyway this guy's doing batman brave and bold james gunn came out and said that it's one of the best 
comic book movies he's ever seen. Now, I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think it's a really good movie, but I, I think it's I say this as someone who really likes this movie a lot. I really do. I think this movie is overhyped by some of the people who said it's one of the best comic. I mean, this is not just people like Tom Cruise and James Gunn's. I've seen I saw people inside of our space calling it the best comic book movie of all time. I think that's crazy. I think it's a really good movie. I think it's a really, really good movie, and I hope it does gangbusters, and I can't wait to see it again because, as I said last week when I saw the trailer again, it's like, i got to see this movie again. It's really, really good. Um, I just, and I think it's one of DCEU's best. Best comic book movie ever? Uh, no. Have you ever seen Dark Knight? Come on. Have you seen Superman 2? Um, there's a lot. I mean, people, not a lot of people put Superman 2 in there, but I would. One of the movies I grew up on, but um, but anyway, a lot a lot of movies that you could you could argue for, but I don't I don't know about that. Anyway, my point is that James Gunn tweeted that out, and James Gunn is excited about that. So if James Gunn is going to go and get hyped up about a movie, and then oh I need this guy to direct something that we got, and look what he just did with with Batman, with Keaton and 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 Affleck, he's he's in, he's in. That's a that's he he's he's probably already signed his deal. He's in. Um, so don't be surprised when he says yet, yet is Comic Con. If this, if the, if if they're if the studios are still going to Comic Con, that's one of the announcements. Superman, Superman cast, Brave and the Bold, Andy Muschietti directing it. Put it in, put it in the, take it to the bank, take it to the bank. So what do you guys think? Am I wrong? Let me know. Um, all right, I think that's it for today. Pretty, pretty good episode. A lot of thought to talk about. As I mentioned, we've got a ton coming up. I really hope you're going to be there to see us, man, on in New York. If you're in the East Coast and you're anywhere near it, it will be live streamed also. So you don't have to just be, um, you know, you don't just have to be in New York to, to see it or anywhere near. But I hope that you do. I hope you come see us. I would love that. And if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, please do it. And we'll be, we'll be around this week. So we hope you join us. I appreciate you. And we'll see you on the flip side, everybody. It's the big thing. It's me and you. What a blast we had today. Thank you.